Oh my goodness, what is that? Sienna leaned over the edge of the cloud, trying to see the kingdom below better. I don't know, what is it? Timothy asked, coming up behind her. Well, it looks like it might be... Sienna took one step forward and promptly fell off the edge. Timothy caught her wrist and pulled her back up, but no sooner was Sienna on safer ground than something slammed into him, pushing him off the edge. Jonathan grinned down to him. Guess I was going too fast. I'll say you were. Dashing around like that could mean the end of us. Timothy scolded, flying back up. Now, what were you saying, Sienna? Where did she go? Jonathan shrugged. I don't know. Why? Because she was saying something important. You know, important. Hmm. Important. Nope, I don't think that word is in my vocabulary. Well, it's going to be. There's Sienna. Jonathan pointed to her as she leapt from cloud to cloud. Some other time, Timothy. Fine, but only because I didn't like the look on her face. He hurried after her, Jonathan close behind. Sienna, Timothy called, trying to get her to slow down. Perhaps we should explain here what cloud people are. Cloud people inhabit the clouds. They look a little like humans, a little like elves, and a lot like fairies. Cloud people are quite hard to see as they wear garments woven from the clouds. Their hair is usually blonde, streaked with light blue. Their skin is pale, almost white. They are light and airy and extra careful to keep out of sight, which isn't too hard than being miles above humans. Should they be spotted, they are quite an unusual sight, so they live in constant fear of being seen and captured by humans. But now we'll return to the story. She only turned slightly, shh, and kept right on going. To their astonishment, Sienna glanced around quickly, then, seeing no one, flew right off the cloud, disappearing from sight. Does she know what happens if- Jonathan asked, gesturing towards the place where she vanished. I think so, or at least I thought so. Now I'm not so sure. They flew quickly towards the place they saw her last, landing softly so they could carefully peek over the edge of the fluffy white cloud. A tiny speck, rapidly disappearing toward the kingdom far below, was all they could see of Sienna. Jonathan pointed at it. Is that Sienna all the way down there? Probably. She could have easily flown that fast. Um, so, uh... Is she going? Jonathan half-asked, half-thought. To that kingdom down there? Timothy finished for him. Very likely. And she knows what happens if... If we get discovered. Timothy stared off the direction Sienna had vanished. I sure hope so. Sienna flew as fast as she could, golden hair streaming, fully aware of the danger she was throwing herself into. But she couldn't, just couldn't deny what she had seen and felt. She qu glanced quickly back over her shoulder the superb vision of the cloud fairies working for her good. To Sienna's intense relief, Timothy and Jonathan were not following her. It would be better for her to go alone. As Sienna approached the world below, she automatically braced herself for the heat wave. When it never came, she was momentarily puzzled. No, that's right, Sienna reminded herself. The human world has been trapped in an everlasting winter for ten years. That thought only served to make her more determined. Suddenly, Sienna stopped and turned slowly in a circle, searching, searching. Where did it go, she thought. I was sure. Oh, there it is. The signal came again, stronger than before. Without a second's hesitation, Sienna dove straight towards it, leaving a trail of cloud-like vapor streaming behind her. She landed in what must have been an extremely beautiful and extensive garden, but clutched in the throes of winter, it was desolate and bare. Sienna was walking carefully along a bare tree branch, trying to get closer to the signal when she saw a human, only a little ways ahead of her. 
the human's back was turned towards Sienna, so she had no great chance of being discovered. But at first, Sienna was so startled, she slipped and fell completely off the ice-covered branch, landing hard on the frozen ground beneath her. As she was used to soft clouds, she was not prepared for the shock, and it took her several minutes to gather herself and fly slowly back up to where she could see. Her view was blocked slightly by the branches, so Sienna flew a little closer to the human, her curiosity getting the better of her. This girl, for she was hardly more than a girl, was slightly disheveled. Her dark hair tussled, her fine dress wrinkled, traces of tears on her cheeks. She bent to touch a bare vine tenderly, as if her touch would cause it to bloom. But then she pulled her hand away and shivered, pulling her heavy cloak closer. She looked up quickly as a young man dashed into the garden, and for a moment, there was a trace of a smile on her face which quickly disappeared at his grave expression. He ran to her, took her hands in his, and said something that Sienna couldn't hear. She collapsed in his arms, sobs racking her slender frame. He held her for a long moment, then said something else, kissed her cheek, and was gone. She just stood there for a while, tears streaming down her cheeks. Then she slowly made her way to the large palace-type building. Sienna blinked. Why had she been so sad and forlorn? She shivered at the bitter wind, then curled up as comfortably as possible in the dense cover of a pine tree. Sienna awoke to Jonathan shaking the branch above her, covering with her with snow. And Timothy's reproving, Really, Jonathan? She jumped up, startled. What are you two doing here? Well, obviously, Jonathan said, as if she should have guessed. We're bringing you back. Why did you leave, Sienna? Timothy asked, before she could respond. Sienna sighed. I had to. Meaning? I just saw the signal. It was calling to me. Timothy's brow furrowed. What signal? You know how they tell us that the human world has been trapped in winter? Yes, but what does that have to do with anything? And how the Cloud Fairy's globe was lost? Sienna persisted. Uh-huh, we've all heard the tales, Jonathan broke in. And now we can't control anything, so the humans somehow got stuck in winter. You're not saying that, Timothy trailed off, an odd look coming into his eyes, that the crystal is calling? Sienna nodded slowly. See, just over there. She gestured to the palace. Uh, yes, Timothy asked, right as Jonathan said. I don't see anything. You don't? Sienna looked confused. Right there, she pointed again. I'm sorry, Sienna, but I don't see anything. Me neither, Jonathan added. How could you not see anything? It's like flashing. Maybe only you can see it, Jonathan suggested. I just, I hoped it wasn't just me. Maybe I'm seeing things. Sienna looked back towards the palace one last time, then smiled. Let's go home. Amira glanced in the hall mirror and sighed deeply. Why does life have to be so difficult? She brushed that thought aside and ran up to the elaborate room she was sleeping in, hurriedly packing the gowns she had brought for their short stay. Amira exchanged her cloak for a longer, warmer one and her silk gown for a coarse traveler's dress, pinning up her long, dark curls. No use looking her station. She met Queen Lillian coming up the staircase as she was going down. Queen Lillian frowned. Why are you going like that, Amira. I'm going to Clonia. Clonia? The queen's frown deepened. Why? You aren't happy here? Oh no, you've been very good to us, but it's my birthplace, and they need me. Not like that they don't. Queen Lillian smiled at her. Why don't you go change into something else that fits your station, and I'll get you an embassy ready. No, there isn't time. I travel light. James has already arranged for a few soldiers to see me there. That's all I need. And I would advise that you prepare your armies. But, but, 
Amira swept quickly past her down the huge hall, leaving Lillian speechless. The queen turned to her husband, King Lucas, who had come down the stairs in time to see Amira leave. Are you just going to let her go off alone like that? Why shouldn't she? Amira speaks truth. We'd best get ready. And besides, I've never met a young woman more able to take care of herself than that one. Queen Lillian stared off in the direction Amira had vanished. Ever since James met her, she trailed off. Amira stepped outside, shivering voluntarily at the icy wind, and made her way over to the small group of mountain knights. Prince Andrew rode up then with her horse in tow. All present and correct, miss, she smiled. Thank you. Amira stepped forward to take her horse, but the castle steward blocked her way. Excuse me, madam, but Queen Lillian requests that you take a cou coach. I'll just run and restart. But, but, Amira swept quickly past her and down the huge hall, leaving Lillian speechless. The queen turned to her husband, King Lucas, who had come down the stairs in time to see Amira leave. Are you just going to let her go off alone like that? Why shouldn't she? Amira speaks truth. We'd best get ready. And besides, I've never met a young woman more capable to take care of herself than that one. Queen Lillian stared off in the direction Amira had vanished. Ever since James met her, she trailed off. Amira stepped outside, shivering voluntarily at the icy wind, and made her way over to the small group of mounted knights. Prince Andrew rode up with her horse in tow. All present and correct, miss, she smiled. Thank you. Amira stepped forward to take her horse, but the castle steward brought her way. Excuse me, madam, but Queen Lillian requests that you take a coach. I'll just run and... No, thank you, either. I'll ride. Amira mounted her gelding snowdrop. He had been born at the start of this everlasting winter, and at the time when everyone was enchanted with its beauty. Beauty was beyond them now. And smiled down at him. But do thank Her Majesty for her thoughtfulness. The small party headed out, looking like a mostly normal group of travelers. James had chosen well. His knights were plainly dressed, but dangerous if crossed. Amira urged them as fast as possible without being rash, but it was plain that she wished they could go faster. I'm coming, James. Sienna flew up to leave, but then she noticed that the Flash had left the castle. She stared at it for a long moment. Wait. Yes? Timothy stopped in midair. It's moving. Like it was carried. I have to go see. Sienna, Timothy began. I don't know about this. Please, I won't be that long. And if it is the crystal, I have to get it back. Jonathan shrugged. I don't see why not, Timothy. We're not even supposed to be here, but I suppose... In the current conditions, it wouldn't hurt. Thank you. Sienna turned to go, then stopped. I have to go. You do understand. Of course we do. Jonathan winked at Timothy. See you soon, Sienna said, and flew quickly off in the direction he was going. She dodged branches and bramble unconsciously her gaze riveted on the flash that was quickly dulled by the vastness of the forest. It was not hard to follow the flash, but soon Sienna saw a road on a direct course with it. That made the going easier, but only by a little. She could only guess that the flash was traveling on the road somehow, but she also dared not fly on the open road. That was much too risky. So her course was parallel to the road, not much of an improvement, but it made the going just a little bit easier. Sienna flew as fast as she could, but somehow it always stayed slightly in front of her, which was frustrating, but perhaps for the better. All that day, she chased the flashing beacon, never quite catching up with it. As night fell, Sienna was so weary and wing-sore that when the beacon stopped, she nearly went right past it. 
Spinning dizzily, she collapsed on a snowy branch, unable to go further and not caring what the flashing light was. Sienna awoke the next morning, wings and legs stiff, and her head aching from lack of water and rest. She stretched, trying to force life into her aching limbs, then glanced around, dismayed to find that the flashing beacon was already on the move again. How does that thing move so fast? Sienna wondered. I can't seem to keep up, and I can't do this much longer. Maybe I should just give it up. Somehow, her resolve was strengthened, so the rest of that long, weary day she followed it. Toward evening, the flash stopped, sooner than the night before, and Sienna landed next to it. The flash dimmed the closer she got to it. To her mild surprise, she had landed next to a group of humans. A handful of travelers, looking like peasants, except that Sienna's sharp eyes caught things that humans did not, such as beautifully crafted weapons, cleverly concealed, yet still visible enough for her to tell that these were trained warriors. Or movements, the way they reacted to the sounds in the forest. Sienna stiffened as she saw a maiden moving among them, just as plainly dressed. She quickly realized that this was the same human that had been in the garden. Is she a captive? Sienna wondered. Sienna watched carefully for a few moments, then settled back, satisfied. These men treated her with great respect. She couldn't be a captive. The flash renewed for a moment, turning Sienna's attention towards it. Surprisingly, it had settled on the girl. As it died away, Sienna saw something around the maiden's neck that made her gasp with surprise. So that's what it was. How surprising, and yet not. Amira settled a short distance from the fire, not feeling ready to join in the laughter and singing around it, still feeling a sense of loss. But she wanted nothing more than to be alone. That was not to be allowed her. For after a few moments, Andrew strode over. Do you mind if I join you? Amira shook her head, attempting a smile. No. They sat in silence for a while, watching the flames and listening to the joking and bantering. Then the prince spoke. Missing James? Yes. Amira stared off in the distance. And my parents. A tear sparkled in the firelight as it trailed down her cheek, but she quickly brushed it away. Sympathy was stamped on the young man's face. Such is the life of a royal. Hard, isn't it? Amira merely nodded. Perhaps it does not always have to be that way. Her soft blue eyes searched his face. What do you mean? He settled back, drawing his cloak more tightly around his broad shoulders. Well, people may think that you have to look regal. You might think that you can't mourn or show emotions. Perhaps some think that, as royalty, you must keep your distance. But why should that be so? It shouldn't. The people need to see that their rulers have emotions, that they care. He shook his head. Sometimes I think that's what Queen Lillian lacks. Not that she's a bad person, simply that she won't follow her heart because she's driven by a sense of duty. I've noticed her hold herself back, seeing the sympathy in her eyes, but she stops herself. His voice softened as he looked over at her. She was hardly out of girlhood, already taxed with these difficult problems. I'm sorry about your parents. Amira made no more effort to stop her tears, but managed to smile through them. You sound so much like James. That's to be expected. A smile played around the corner of his mouth. We are brothers, after all. Andrew stood up. Good night, princess, he said, and moved over to join his comrades around the glowing fire. Amira stayed there for a while, his words ringing true to her mind. He had called her princess. They all did, really. And they were all there because they respected her and James. 
there because they cared. He was right, of course. They were all friends, if she would let them be. There was no need for her to distance herself from everyone. James never had. Come to think of it, neither had her parents. Perhaps Queen Lillian was rubbing off on me, Meyer thought. Or maybe I just never understood. A smile crept over her tear-streamed face. That must have been what James was always trying to tell me. Sienna rested her chin in her hands, thinking hard. It just didn't seem possible to fly through a group of humans. And then what? Maybe I can just explain it to them. They would understand. Yeah, I know exactly what Timothy would say to that. Well, Sienna stood up, trying to get rid of some of her aches and feeling very glad that it was winter, for if it had not been, she would have stood out badly. Still, if it hadn't been winter, she probably wouldn't be there. She suddenly stopped smoothing brambles and snow from her dress and stared spellbound at the beautiful sunrise lighting up the sky. Someone else had risen early and was also enjoying the beauty of the morning. It was the young woman she had seen the night before, which brought Sienna right back to her problem. How to get the globe from the humans and back home without being caught. She thought and thought while the camp stirred into wakefulness. All too soon, they were on the move, not even eating before packing up the camp. Why does it seem like they're hardly eating or sleeping? Sienna thought, struggling to catch up. I suppose they are riding. What are those things? Oh, horses. But it still doesn't seem like they should be going so fast. Amira urged her horse farther. By her calculations, they would reach the pass by noon if they rode quickly. The pass was where the small traveler's roads leading from Trenda to Clonia wound between two mountains on the border of the two kingdoms. It could be well guarded if the two countries, Clonia and Trenda, the home of her parents-in-law, fought. But there was little chance of that now that they had intermarried. Her calculations were correct, and they neared the pass just after noon. Amira finished her light meal and readjusted her position on her horse. Traveling fast meant no time for eating. Trouble ahead, Andrew said, passing her. You'd best stay behind. She slowed Snowdrop just enough that she was behind most of the group and pulled the hood of her cloak up, hiding her face. If she was discovered... As they got closer, the trouble Andrew had mentioned became more apparent. There was a small group of rough-looking peasants blocking the small road. Pete, who was mostly in charge, being the most experienced, approached them. Amira stayed behind purposefully, not wanting to attract attention. A law of talking that she couldn't hear followed, and then their voices rose, carrying on the wind. I tell you, we need to get to the castle. It's urgent, Pete was saying. I'm so very sorry, but we can't let you pass. The kingdom is in turmoil right now, and as soon as this is over, you'll know why we did what we did. You cannot pass. He didn't sound too sorry. More talking that she couldn't hear. Snowdrop shifted restlessly, and Amira burrowed deeper into her cloak. It didn't sound good, whatever it was. And if they found out who she was, things would get nasty. Very nasty. Pete rode back over, his face a mask of barely contained fury, and motioned for them to head back the way they came. Amira turned her horse around, then looked to Andrew, who was now riding beside her. What happened? What did they say? He shook his head. I didn't hear much. They rode until the peasant group was out of sight. Then Pete veered off the road into a small secluded clearing and dismounted, the others following suit. They're blocking the path, obviously. I couldn't figure out who they are. All they said was that they're on an important errand. 
The frustration was clear in his voice. He also warned me not to try going through the forests another way, said the guard heavily. Maybe he's bluffing, Sam put in. Perhaps, Pete shook his head, perhaps, but we can't afford to take that chance. He sighed and turned to his horse's saddlebags. I guess we'll leave for Colonia in the morning. No. It was spoken quietly, but there was no mistaking the tone in Amira's voice. He turned around slowly, his voice tired. We have to. There's no other way. Amira lifted her chin. There is. We can follow the border around the, to the back way. Pete shook his head. It'll take too long. And besides, no one has been down that way in years. We'll sleep here tonight, then start back tomorrow. With more soldiers, we can force our way through. He turned back to his horse, thinking the conversation over. But Amira wasn't finished. I have to get to the castle. To James. I cannot stop you from returning, but I can refuse to go. She said, in a tone that reminded everyone that this was the future queen talking. Tomorrow morning, I will start out for the border, alone if necessary. She smiled. All the same, I would be very glad for your company. Pete opened his mouth to object, but Andrew stepped up beside Amira. She's right. James said to make every possible effort to get to the palace, and my mother can be... <clears throat> difficult at times. Pete nodded slowly. All right, but I still say we rest tonight. Amira nodded agreement, and the group set about preparing for the night. Thank you, Amira told Andrew softly. Thank you for standing with me. I hope it was the right decision. Andrew smiled. It was, he assured her. It was. Sienna fluttered quickly through the sleeping camp before her resolve failed. It had taken her three days to finally work up enough courage to do this, and she wasn't giving up now. She quickly located the girl with the globe around her neck and headed over. Even in the soft morning light, she could see this girl's beauty. She hesitated once more, hating to do this. But it would turn out better for everyone in the end. It really would. She reached out, but just as her hand reached the globe, Jonathan appeared out of nowhere on the other side of the sleeping girl's frame and mimed pulling a lock of her hair. Sienna shook her head frantically at him, but Jonathan was too mischievous to pay her any mind. The girl awoke with a soft, Oh! sending Jonathan and Timothy, who had sprung from who knows where, fluttering to the shelter of a nearby tree. Sienna, however, was more determined, until a hand grasped her gently but firmly. Then, of course, her resolve completely failed, and escape was the only thing on her mind. Don't wiggle so, the girl said, trying to cover her hands enough for her to see what was in them. I'm not going to hurt you. Sienna wasn't so sure, so she kept struggling, faintly. She soon gave up. Humans were just too strong. That's better, she heard the human say. Hold still now. Sienna tensed as her prison opened and tried to fly up. Unfortunately, the girl had sense enough to keep a hand around her, so Sienna was stuck. Oh dear. Confusion was plain on her face. Am I seeing things? Sienna sighed. No. The girl gasped. Y you can talk? Sienna sighed again. Yes, I'm a cloud fairy. A cloud fairy? What's that? Sienna started at the beginning, telling her everything. She might as well. Actually, she was hoping that if she just explained things, the human would comply and she could get the globe and go home. So you're saying that my necklace will make everything go back to normal? Amara asked after a lot of talking. Yes, when we get it back to the clouds. Where did you say you got it? My mother gave it to me. She said... Memories clouded Amara's face. She said my dad bought it for her. I don't know where. It was supposed to keep the wearer safe. A tear trailed down her cheek. What's wrong? Oh, nothing. My parents died about a week ago, so it still hurts. I'm so sorry, Sienna said softly. So humans did have feelings, not hearts made of stone like she'd been led to believe. Where are you going? 
She was now sitting lightly on Amira's hand, having lost all fear of this pretty, gentle girl. We're traveling to Clonia, my parents' kingdom. I'll join James there, and if we're lucky, we can get the coronation underway before the people decide to start a civil war. Who's James? Why were you in that other place? Sienna was full of questions. The other palace is the home of my parents-in-law. We were married about a month ago, James and I, so we were staying there for a bit to visit his parents, and then the news came. James headed off to try and keep things stable until I could get there, so that's where we're going. Anything else? Sienna smiled. Yes, we'll go with you because I want to meet James, and also that globe just might have a protection charm with it. We'll? Amara asked. That is, if I can convince them to come with us. Who? Some friends. Sienna laughed lightly at the expression on Amira's face. Cloud fairies. Oh, Amira laughed also. Well, you'd better go tell them to hurry. We leave in about 20 minutes. And be careful, don't let anyone else see you. She's coming back! She is? Jonathan flew over, peeking through the bare branches. The human let her go? Timothy was just as mystified as Jonathan. I guess so. Timothy, Jonathan! Right here, Sienna, Timothy called. She flew up to them, plainly excited. Did she let you... Jonathan started, but Sienna cut him off. She's so nice, Sienna twirled around in the air. And guess what? She agreed to give us the globe. But I'm going with her to see James first. What? Who's James? Timothy stopped her from twirling again. Why did you let her see you? I didn't have a choice. But anyway, she's wonderful, so it's fine. Are you two coming or not? Sienna, tell us the whole story first. Jonathan told her. All right, all right. Sienna sat down and told them everything. So will you come with us? Timothy sighed. Yes, but I still don't like it. James! Amira let go of her horse's lead and ran to him. In a second, she was in his arms. I've missed you so. I've missed you too. What took you so long? The past was... Amira broke off, her eyes widening at the group of peasant soldiers that was rapidly gathering. Sienna darted out of the pocket of Amira's dress, grabbed the globe, and took off for the forest. Once there, she shoved it into Jonathan's hands. Go, this is our only chance. Hurry! They took off through the sky. Sienna darted back over to Amira. Somehow she had not been noticed, except for maybe James, as he was looking at Amira's pocket with the weird expression on his face. Good morning, James smiled at the crowd. We were just going to the castle. Would you mind stepping aside? No, the soldier smirked. We want spring back. This is a plot. Down with the royals. The crowd shouted and cheered. Amira pressed closer to James. What are we going to do now? Just another five minutes, Sienna whispered to herself. Just five more. And just as the crowd pressed close, jeering at the king and queen-to-be, it happened. The first of the snow started melting. And suddenly, the people could see green shoots pushing their way out of the earth. A few of the people in the crowd tried to rile everyone up again, but they had lost their interest entirely. Peace was established again. It's time for me to go home, Sienna told Amira sadly. Sienna had stayed a few more weeks to visit James and Amira and to see the beauty of spring spread over the earth. I know. Amira blinked back the tears. I'll still miss you, though. You'll visit often? As often as allowed. Oh, here. Sienna handed Amira an exact replica of the globe. To remember your mother. It has a direct connection with me, even in the clouds. It will keep you safe, too. Oh, thank you. That's so thoughtful. Goodbye. Sienna hugged Amira's thumb. I'll visit soon. Goodbye. James had come up behind them. They watched as Sienna became only a dot in the blue sky and vanished. Amira brushed a tear from her eye. I hope she does come back. And the other two. 
Do you think she will? Of course she will. Shall we go in? Yes. Amira waved and kissed her hand to the clouds, certain that Sienna was watching. Beside her, James smiled and waved also. Andrew, having just come to find them, gave them an odd glance. Who are you waving at? Oh, you know, Amira smiled. Just the clouds. That was Clouds by Naomi. Thanks for listening. Would you like to hear your short story on Those Who Book? Send it to thosewhobook at gmail.com. If you like this podcast, give it a rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.